Hey, I'm Ryan Wallace. And I'm Zach Wilson. And this is our podcast where we talk about music. Everything from doo-wop to death metal. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week of From Doo-Wop to Death Metal. I'm here with my buddy, Zachary Wilson. Good to see you, bud. How you been? What's up, man? What are we on? Episode nine? Episode nine. God, they're flying by. Yeah, they really are. How was your week? It was good, you know? It's been a, it's been a long week, man. How's yours? Yeah, same. Same, same. Been working like crazy, right? Working like crazy, yeah. We've been doing uh, big mirror frames for the uh, Saratoga Springs Temple. That's cool. So, it's yeah. Good work? Yeah, good work. Can't complain about it. Yeah, that's awesome. I am very... Very excited that's for this always, week's episode. That's scary. That's a scary <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so I want to ask you, just because the, for all the listeners out there, we're going to be talking about a topic very special to my heart today. <laughs> I love it. I hate it. Metalcore. Metalcore. Zach, how do you feel about metalcore? I, I, uh, here's the thing. Okay. This is how I feel about a lot of metal genres and a lot of subgenres is I really appreciate metal. Really. I, I like, I like listening to it. I like the talent that goes behind it. I, I really, really respect it and enjoy it. I have a hard time listening to it for long periods of time for more than just, this a couple is just metal in general, kind or? of metal in general, especially metalcore. Okay. It's, it's a bit much for me. What is it about metalcore that makes it a bit much for you? I don't know. Well, I mean, let me ask you, what is metalcore? Okay, so if you want to get technical with it, metalcore in its purest form is supposed to be a combination of hardcore and metal. So, okay, before you go on, why don't we define what the word core means, right? Because how many many core genres are there? There are a lot. Should we try to name as many as we can? Hardcore. Crabcore. Grindcore. Grindcore. Uh... Mathcore, um, now I'm drawing a blank. There's so many. There's a there. lot. There's so a lot. Is that what it means? It's just essentially taking that genre and combining it with hardcore. Um, yeah. So, so in this sense, that's what it means. I mean, I guess. Furthermore, we need to define hardcore to be able to define metalcore. Okay. So, are you into hardcore at I do, all? I do like hardcore. It's basically. I mean. You tell me if you have anything to add to this, but it basically is a harder driven variation of punk rock. Yes, that's the way I see it. And that's the thing about genres is that they're pretty fluid, I feel like. Yeah. There's not, there's usually not like a set definition for what one genre is. And when one, you know, when someone in one genre starts kind of deferring or uh, deviating from that set genre, they make a new genre. Right. So genres are always changing. They're always different. So, but yeah, as far as the traditional sense of hardcore, hardcore punk, I really, really love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Like no effects type stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. So metalcore basically just takes that variation of punk rock and makes it more metal. So some good characteristics of metalcore are uh, dirty vocal or screaming um, verses. And clean singing choruses. That's a very common theme. Yeah. Some bands just do it dirty, and that's great. They do it dirty. The thing about metalcore is it really is, and 
as we dive into this topic, see, when, as I was studying this out, metalcore is my um, forming genre, I would say. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of what formed me as an individual throughout high school. So I know a lot about metalcore and I know a lot about the bands, but I wanted to go into this episode with a specific question in mind, which was, did metalcore save metal? Hmm. That's an interesting question because the interesting thing that I always think about is nowadays when you say just the word metal, most people think of metalcore. Yeah. So why is that? You want to give me a little history lesson? I think it's because it was huge. Now, listeners, for all of you listening out there, I don't know how old you are, but we're in our mid-20s. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is when we were going through high school, the uh, um, 2010 through 2014, that type of uh, time frame, metalcore was a very large genre, and it was dominating the hard rock charts, the metal charts. Everything seemed to be metalcore. So give me some band names that were around in that era. So in that era, which are still around today, I mean, let's go with, okay, okay. So let's start at the beginning, right? You've got metalcore really forming in the late 90s with bands like Hatebreed. Okay. And then you move into other bands like a huge one, Killswitch Engage. Yeah. I think Killswitch was really good at combining punk rock and metal. Okay. I think you could argue that they did it better than anybody else. And so bands like that that incorporated a lot of dirty vocals, a lot of clean vocals, and a lot of uh, punk beats, Yeah, I, I guess is a good way to put it. They had punk beats, but they had metal guitar work. Another good example of that, which I think a lot of people listening these days may not even know it, but in their earliest days, Avenged Sevenfold, one of the biggest bands in the world, was yep. very much metalcore. They're a metalcore band. The, uh, the one that comes to my mind is A Day to Remember. A Day to Remember, yeah. In, at least in the circles that I ran with in high school, they were huge. Absolutely. Because A Day to Remember was super interesting because they, they really were the prototypical combination of pop punk. Uh-huh. And metal. Yeah. Blink-182 being their biggest influences. Uh-huh. So it was like mix Blink-182 with Metallica and see what happens. Yeah. So it was kind of weird and it was kind of jarring yeah. to listen to a lot of their tunes. Yeah. Uh, see, A Day to Remember came a little bit later in the game after the uh, footwork had kind of been laid a little bit mm -hmm. by bands like As I Lay Dying. I look at As I Lay Dying and I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the uh, the YouTube channel, the Punk Rock NBA. I've never heard of it. It's phenomenal. You should check it out. But I watched one of his videos on metalcore, and I really liked what he said about the band As I Lay Dying. Uh -huh. They are the perfect segue band from early metalcore, like Killswitch and early Avenged Sevenfold, into the later days of metalcore with um, The Devil Wears Prada, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, Asking Alexandria, Day to Remember... The boy bands with breakdowns as the punk punk rock boy NBA bands with breakdowns. That is one of the best <laughs> phrases I've ever heard to describe metalcore because it's so true, right? It's very true. I mean, you look at you look at uh, what's the dude from a day to remember? What's his name? Jeremy McKinnon. The, yeah, the main singer. Uh huh. Or sorry, not day to remember. Um, uh, from Bring Me the Horizon. Ollie Sykes. Ollie Sykes. Yeah, man. that dude is like a he's 
very into style and fashion. He has his own fashion he's line. He's got his own fashion line and he makes it work for them. He was he's kind of known as like the prototypical scene kid. Yeah. And if you don't know what scene kids are, man, maybe you're lucky because it was a weird movement. <laughs> it was the the emo but metal phase. Yeah, it's the stereotypical what what people think of when they think of emo kids, you know, like the jet black hair that's going swoopy over their eyes, the skinny jeans. Yeah. The ripped shirts. Yeah. Like the eyeliner. That's scene movement, right? Yep. That's not emo. That is not emo. <laughs> I could talk about this all day. That is not emo. That is scene. They thought it was emo. They thought it was emo. But I'm with you. It wasn't. It was scene. And see, what I'm going to be talking a lot about here in this episode specifically is the later rendition of Metalcore, the, the, the more seen version of Metalcore. Okay, interesting. Um, and the reason why is because where I do think early Metalcore was phenomenal, one of my favorite music genres ever made, I don't think that's the genre that saved metal. Okay. But I did come to the conclusion that I think boy bands with breakdowns saved metal. Oh man, that's a hot take. <laughs> it is. I wonder if James Hetfield could hear you. Yeah, well, well, okay, let's let's just don't you dare. Don't you <laughs> dare think that James Hetfield would ever be disappointed in me because I am not about to say that boy bands with breakdowns are better than 80s metal in any way shape or form. So before we continue, what is a breakdown? I don't know if I'm sure most people know, but some people probably don't. So, breakdowns generally, I mean, you get breakdowns in all type all types of music and basically what it is is just a bridge section of a song where it's a bit stripped back and uh you know oftentimes vocals are cut out and it's just instrumentation and more simple instrumentation than the rest of the song a lot of times it's just a single note played over and over yeah. like get it get it get it get it get it get it yep you know yep exactly i think that actually was a day to remember breakdown right there it probably was <laughs> i mean they're not hard to do. <laughs> no, they're not. But they're, they're very effective. Yeah, they really are. And so the reason why I think boy bands with breakdowns saved metal, even though they were so hated, they yeah. were so hated by the majority of people. But I have some stats for you that I think you might find interesting. Okay. I love stat. Bring me the horizon, right? One mm -hmm. of the... Now, they're a bit of an interesting case because they are constantly evolving, right? They started sure. as a deathcore band, which is basically a heavier version of metalcore. But like heavier. Heavy, and, heavy, heavy. With scarier. a lot more, yeah, a lot more death metal influence than metalcore. But nevertheless, they really only had one deathcore album and then they were and it wasn't metalcore. Good. It wasn't good at all. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, but I'm a metalhead. Even they, you ask them and they're like, no, that was crap. Yeah, it's it's not as good as their metalcore stuff. Uh -huh. But after their deathcore album, they did have a core, uh, I, I would say a core three albums that were just straight metalcore. And uh, Bring Me the Horizon has hit number one in the charts in Australia four times. Which charts? Billboard 200. Really? Yeah. Not, so, is, there, is there like a metal chart? Uh, there is, Because there's yeah. like the rock chart, right? Yeah, I, I think most metal albums fall under the hard rock chart. Okay. Um, but they topped all of Billboard at <laughs> number one in Australia four times, and that was those were their metalcore albums that they topped. The UK once, and they hit number two once in the UK and once in the US. That's pretty wild. So that's a lot of success. Uh, Killswitz Engage 
they had three albums that charted in the top 10. August Burns Red has been in the top 10 four times and won a Grammy. Cool. So that kind of shows you that this wasn't just some underground scene music that nobody heard of. I mean, these guys were literally topping charts. It's mainstream metal. Yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say that they didn't save metal because, granted, you do have the other side of things, right? Where you've got, let's take Avenged Sevenfold because I think they're the best example. They were metalcore early on. Yeah. They deviated from that. However... I would say still they have a lot of metalcore influences. They do have a lot of dirty vocals still in their later music. And they've topped the charts, what, four times now? I mean, it seems like every time they release a record, it goes straight to number one. So what genre would you put them in now? Uh, I would say now they're just a straight-up metal band. Uh, Pretty progressive metal. But it's very successful. Yeah. And people obviously like it. And bands have... Maybe what I find most interesting about metalcore is the fact that bands have been able to be this kind of more niche genre that metalcore is, but then they've been able to break out numerous times into a more mainstream genre and actually top that genre. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's funny because you play metalcore for, for just casual listeners and they hate it. <laughs> You know, in preparation for this episode, I was actually showing some metalcore tunes to Lindsay and she's, oh man, she couldn't stand it. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I think what's, what, what turns a lot of people off is the screaming. Uh Uh-huh. So where did the screaming come from, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that basically came because metalcore is a melting pot of so many genres. Hardcore used a lot of dirty vocals. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of death metal influence in metalcore, which... Obviously, that's those are very dirty vocals. The other thing that struck me as super interesting is that a lot of these metalcore bands have really, really heavy uses of EDM or electronic dance music in their songs. Mm -hmm. That's where the boy bands with breakdowns come in. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, you had the Devil Wears Prada early on. The Devil Wears Prada. Can we just talk about them for a second? I would love to talk about them. Name me one more band that has better song names than the Devil Wears Prada. There's not one. There's not one. Like, what are the, <laughs> what we got? Reptar, King of the Ozone. <laughs> yeah. Dogs can grow beards all over. Yeah. Yeah, they're phenomenal. <laughs> just, and, like, that's that's one thing that's that's also kind of interesting about They don't – it seems like they take themselves very seriously, but they really don't. They really don't. And to your point, with their song titles, do you remember the whacked-out T-shirts that came from that yeah. era? Like a very bright, vivid colors. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a dinosaur fighting a gorilla, mm-hmm. and it, in bubble letters says "Asking Alexandria." And they got great. They got great band names too. You got Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah, it's it was very much a counterculture, and it was weird. It was very weird. I'll never forget. I was in. Let's see. It was two thousand eight was the year that Asking Alexandria released Stand Up and Scream. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, don't, I mean, no disrespect to bands that did what Asking Alexandria did before them, like Attack Attack is oh, probably no. the biggest one. Oh, I'll talk about Attack Attack here in a minute. Don't you worry. <laughs> but in my opinion, Asking Alexandria just did it better than everybody else, which I think is why they are kind of the band that people look to when they think of that prototypical metalcore with dance beats. Yeah. 
And so I'll never forget that record coming out in 08. And I was pretty skittish of it because, well, frankly, and listeners don't judge me, it scared me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I had grown up on 80s metal, right? Metallica was my jam. And so when I heard Asking Alexandria, and it seems so silly now because I listen to them these days. I'm like, bro, these guys are like hardly heavy. No. But I remember sitting in my room. And uh, I had downloaded it illegally onto my iPod. Oh, no. And uh, Statute of Limitations is up on that, by the way. (laughs) But I had downloaded it illegally onto my iPod, and I went up into my room and put my earphones in, and I was just praying that my family didn't come up because I was like, dude, this is devil music. Oh, my gosh. And I was listening to it, and I just remember being totally blown away by what they were doing because it was so heavy and, like, dropping f-bombs right before a breakdown just to drop the f-bomb and then two seconds later it was a dance groove yeah (laughs) it was all over the place (laughs) how did you feel about that when that stuff was going on i mean i know you're not a metal guy but you i'm sure you were aware of it i actually you know i dug it did you because i was actually in a band in high school called tracing yesterday you hold up you were in Tracing yesterday? I was yesterday? in Tracing yesterday. You remember them? Yeah, I remember them. We were great. Yeah. We were very, very good. But, but we, uh, you know, we had, a, we had one song. I can't remember what it was called, but my, uh, one of the guys in the band, he liked making EDM beats and dubstep beats. So he made, made a beat for this song, and then halfway through the song, we played that, and it was just me on the drums playing along with this track. And then it, the full band dropped back in. Uh-huh. And it was actually really cool. And so I, I always really like the kind of stuff. And I think I've mentioned on earlier episodes, I, I really enjoy the mixture of electronic and traditional instruments. Yeah. For example, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk does that a lot. We talked about that in a previous episode mm-hmm. where it's, it's robot music played by humans. Right. So I, I've always really liked that. The, when I don't like it is when it feels jarring. I like it when it blends well. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's one song in specific that I'm thinking of that is, they do it really well. You ever heard of the band Everybody Dies in Utah? Uh-huh. From Texas? Yep. <laughs> They're crazy, man. They got great song titles too, Bed Bath and Beyonce. <laughs> but this one song, the one I'm thinking of is a cover of Katy Perry's E.T. Yeah. Have you heard it? Mm-hmm. Where it's pretty generic, kind of crappy metalcore. Not very good throughout the entire thing, but then the bridge kicks in and they perfectly integrate the glitches and the electric beats and it's super cool. Yeah. And so stuff like that, I really, really enjoy. What I don't like is, you know, when they're doing just basic metalcore and then all of a sudden they switch to just EDM. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I'm talking to you, attack, attack. That's a great way to put it. You know, I never could get into Attack Attack, and I was never sure why, but that is exactly why. It's because it's just so, like... It feels like an afterthought. Yeah, and it feels a little bit chopped together and just cut, copy, and paste. It doesn't feel like it was written for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's really interesting because metalcore was a genre that had some gold bands come out of it. Yeah. But I would say it's one of the genres that also had the most garbage come out of it. <laughs> like, it seemed like, do you remember Rise Records? Yeah. It seemed like Rise Records would just sign anybody. They, yeah. Like, oh, oh, you, you, your boy bands and you do breakdowns, you're signed. You know what I mean? It's just there was so much going on that was not good. 
I don't know. It's so weird to think about because on the surface, going kind of back to the boy boy bands with breakdowns thing, right? On the surface, it seems like these bands would be the kind of people that would detest pop music that would say that anything played on the radio is garbage and that would especially hate boy bands. So it makes you wonder if these guys, if the dudes from Asking Alexandria, the dudes from Attack Attack were in this room with us right now and they heard us calling them boy bands with breakdowns, how would they react? I think Danny Warsnop, the singer of Asking Alexandria, has kind of addressed it. Uh-huh. Um, because he actually left Asking Alexandria for a little while and they did an album without him and then he came back. Okay. So Danny is one of my top five vocalists all time. And... uh I was pretty sad when he left, but when he came back and explained what was going on, it made sense to me. And it's kind of the same theory as John Lennon saying, oh, it feels a little bit silly to me that I'm going to be singing songs like, uh, I want to hold your hand when I'm 40 years old. Yeah. It just doesn't seem sustainable. And Danny Warsnop was kind of saying that same thing of like, yeah, we built our brand on this kind of poppy metalcore, but that's not ever really what we had in mind i mean danny especially at his core is an 80s metal guy you know motley Crue is his jam yeah and so he was always kind of a little bit put off by that image of like exactly what they were uh skinny dudes wearing skinny jeans with ripped holes in them uh headbanging in synchronization (laughs) yeah so it is a bit silly and it doesn't seem like you should be doing it as a 40 year old and i think that's why a lot of them kind of move on to the uh, I don't know, red state rock festivals, right? Like mayhem. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. And, and a lot of them also faded out. So I'm going to read you a list of some rise records bands. Okay. And I want you to tell me how many of them, you know, okay. Devil wears Prada. Yep. Bless the fall. Yes. Crown the empire. Uh, no. Dance Gavin dance. Dance Gavin. Oh, rest in peace. The basis from dance Gavin dance, yeah. by the way. He just died a few weeks ago. Did yeah. you hear about that? Yeah, it's tragic. It was horrible. They were just about to go out on tour. Yeah. Great band. Great band. And I didn't know they were a Rise Records band either. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um, Memphis Mayfire. Yes. Attack Attack. Oh, oh uh, I know Attack Attack. Yeah. Chelsea Grin. Chelsea Grin. Shout out to the local Utah boys. Salt Lake City, Chelsea Grin. Yeah. Still to this day has one of the best pieces of merch I've ever seen. Is a jazz jersey, a Utah jazz jersey. You know, the old school uh-huh. purple ones with the mountains? Yep. It was that, but instead of jazz, it said Chelsea Grin. Phenomenal. Coolest merch I've ever Phenomenal. seen. Phenomenal. Crazy band. Yeah. Now, they are they're <laughs> definitely more deathcore than metalcore, yeah. but I couldn't help but put them on this list when they're local, right? Yeah, Kinda for cool. sure. Um, for the Fallen Dreams? Nope. Like Moth to Flames? Yes. Miss May I? Yes. Of Mice and Men? Yeah. And Woe Is Me? No. So, these were all Rise Records bands. They're all metalcore bands. And you knew almost every single one of them, and you're not even really a metalhead. Mm-hmm. That's cool to me. You seem really, you seem a bit eager to talk about Attack Attack, so hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like them? Uh, no, gonna, I don't. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to formulate this in a way that doesn't sound like I'm crapping all over them, but they, I think that they were very self-aware. Sure. For what they were doing. But there's a specific music video that I'm ref- that I'm referring to that if anybody it doesn't matter if you're a metalcore fan, 
If you haven't seen this music video, you need to watch it right this minute. Stop the podcast. Go on YouTube and watch it. It's called Stick Stickly. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, 100%. Every Metalcore fan's seen it. Yeah. Where it's them playing out in some field by a barn playing this song. They're all wearing matching outfits, just black shirts and black skinny jeans. They look like the same dude. Just clones of the same person. They all straightened their hair to have like the Jay Biebs bangs, but it was like three inches longer than Jay Biebs hair. So it was just awful. Dude, that was the style. Oh the flaps. God. The hair the flap. flaps. Yeah. They, the black hair flap. Yep. I had a few friends in high school that had the flaps. Oh, bro. I had a flap. Come on. I didn't straighten my hair, but I had the flap. They're all, they're doing synchronized guitar moves and they're doing crab walking and there's, uh, there's like a random girl walking around in a wedding dress and it's just really poorly shot and poor quality. There's auto tune. There's EDM part halfway through the song. They just switch to like a disco and it's just like so out of nowhere. And then the band's all of a sudden doing synchronized, like weird dance moves, but that gave birth to crab core crab core. So yeah, if you haven't seen this, that's, that's required watching for the week go watch that video stick stickly by attack attack it'll blow your mind it will blow your mind we'll link it but so that's that was kind of the culture yeah you know but my question is is are they trying to be serious or, or is it a bit tongue-in-cheek to me i think it was serious oh man i think it was and the reason why is because i knew so many people that took it so seriously yeah that's a little scary. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know, man. It, another reason why metalcore was so crazy is because at one point it was dominating every, I mean, do you remember warp tour mm-hmm. when the metalcore phase kind of came through warp tour and That's all, all of, it was, yeah, all of the headlining bands, all of everything was metalcore. And me personally, that was my favorite era of metalcore ever. And my favorite era of Warp Tour ever. Really? Yeah, because it was so my niche. I mean, I know that a lot of purists, I'm sure you probably didn't love it as much because you like the Warp Tour with the punk and that the ska. My, yeah, that was my era. Yeah. But so I, I, I never really got super into it. I thought it was a bit much. Yeah. You know, a bit too seen for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty seen. But that was, that was the culture back then. Yeah. Do you remember the punk goes pop? Of course. Phenomenal <laughs> how stuff. How did we not man. talk about that when we were talking about covers? I don't know. I don't know. We should have. Mm-hmm. The pop goes punk or punk goes pop. And obviously there were there were other variations of it as well, like punk goes acoustic, punk goes classic rock. And those were all fine. But the punk goes pop were really the the records that kind of put that whole thing on the map. So if you don't know what those are, it's just these punk bands and these metalcore bands doing covers of top 40 hits yeah <laughs> sometimes they were good sometimes they sucked sometimes it's real hit and miss but the thing they all had in common at their peak was the metalcore involvement yeah <laughs> so for reference they went from going uh surprisingly still high in the charts because it's kind of an oddball compilation album you don't think they do that well um, they went from going, you know, 125, 96 in the charts. And with Punk Goes Pop 2, which was pretty heavily metalcore, I mean, you had August Burns Red, A Day to Remember, and Attack Attack. And 
that shot up to number 15 on the charts, uh-huh. which to me, I don't know how that seems to you, but it seems absurd. It's very me. impressive. Yeah. And then Punk Goes Pop 3, um, which was even more metalcore, had Woe Is Me, Asking Alexandria, Word Alive, Miss May I of Mice and Men, and We Came As, Rose, we came as Romans. We Came As Romans. Do you remember them? Yeah. So that album had all those bands, and it went to 26. Okay. And then Punk Goes Pop 4 dropped significantly to like 75. Okay. Right? So now we come to the next point. The rise, the very short life, and the fall of metalcore. Yeah. So, hmm. I think the reason, I think it was a fad, right? Definitely. For a lot of people. Definitely. It was not really something sustainable. And I think the reason for that was there was a lack of diversity. Yeah. Within the music. Uh Uh-huh. A lack of musical diversity, I mean. where. For example, let's take these punk goes these pop goes punk goes pop records, right? Is it punk goes punk goes pop? Punk or is goes pop. Pop goes punk. Punk goes pop. Punk goes pop. So there were compilation albums. Each song was a different artist, right? Uh-huh. And most of the time, at least in my case, most of those artists were artists that I'd never heard of, right? Okay. Yeah. But more so than any other genre of music. Okay, for example, a lot of times people, if they don't listen to a certain genre, for example, country. If you show someone a bunch of country songs, they'll say, oh, these all just sound the same. Uh-huh. But in reality, if you even know just a little bit about it, you can tell the differences between the stylistic, the styles of the artists or the styles of the songwriting. But with metalcore, I feel like more, than, more so than any other genre, it was really hard to tell the difference between Definitely. bands. Definitely. I'm sure that if you were to play Punk Goes Pop, the metalcore ones for most people, they would think that it's all the same band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a few standouts, right? Like you, you mentioned a day to remember yeah. who was a big standout because they mixed so much pop punk into their stuff. So they were, they were quite a bit different than every other metalcore band. Yeah. Um, asking Alexandria stuck out because they were one of the first to kind of perfect that crab core. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're totally right for the most part. All of these bands sounded so much the same. And so it was oversaturated. Uh-huh. It's kind of it's kind of the same problem with any genre that fails so quickly, I think. Yeah. But in this case specifically, I remember I remember watching this happen right before my eyes because I was I was totally that kid. You know, and I think another reason why it failed so quickly is because Metalcore was reliant on a lot of other cultures. Yeah. Do you remember Hot Topic? Oh, Hot Topic. How could I forget Hot Topic? <laughs> is that still around? I, I think it is around, but it's totally changed now. Really? It's, it's more like a video game, um, comic book theme. Like the nerd culture? Yeah. Instead of the scene culture? Yeah, exactly. So they totally shifted. And when they shifted, I think Metalcore lost a lot of its appeal because the weird shirts were gone metalcore got a bit too serious, right? They dropped the, the fun names that the devil wears Prada initiated in the beginning. And it just got too serious. Other pillars were starting to fall around it that, that were kind of supporting it up. And then the ground just fell out from under it and it was done as quickly as it came. It left. Well, that's kind of funny that the fans were called scene kids because that name itself almost sounded like a passing fad. 
Oh, that's yeah. just the scene. That's just their part of that weird scene right now. It's not a phase, mom. Exactly. Yep. So it's it's almost like they knew from the beginning that it wasn't going to last. But let's just let's just go for it as as much as we can while it's here. Uh huh. One, well, how could it last? No, it's not sustainable. It's not, and and I wonder if they all knew that going in because let's take Bring Me the Horizon for exa- an example. Bring Me the Horizon is. Even just beyond metalcore, I think they're a prime example of how a band should be able to shift as they grow. Yeah. They went from deathcore to metalcore to, with That's the Spirit, which is my favorite record by them, Uh they went almost totally pop. It was like a pop, soft rock type thing. Yeah, and listen to their newer stuff. It's completely different. It's it's really good. It's electronic music. It's awesome stuff, but it's it's very different from yeah. where they started. And I think that bands should be allowed to do that. Absolutely. Right? That's something that we as as listeners kind of get hung up on a lot is like, oh, they changed too much. I don't like them. And it's like, well, no, you're looking at it all wrong. I mean, that's a huge topic in itself. Yeah, artistic development and how fan clubs and fans of a certain band tend to refuse to let that band evolve. Yeah, I mean, when Avenged Sevenfold shifted from metalcore to straight up metal, lost they tons of fans, lost almost all of their original fans, but brought in so many more. And then they went to Hail to the King, which was kind of a mainstream sellout album, if that's yeah. what you want to call it. They lost a lot of other fans, but gained some more. And it's just, it's this constant ebbs and flow type thing of you win some, you lose some. But with Metalcore, there was no winning in the end. Yeah. All of those bands that were doing what they were doing, just when the scene died, they died. But that's the thing. It's like, it's like you said, Metalcore itself is still very much existing. It's just very different. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those rare occasions where the genre itself has completely changed rather than the bands within the genre. Right. You know? Yeah, because metalcore, I mean, we've talked about the evolution all the way from the beginnings with bands like Hatebreed. Uh-huh. All the way to boy de- boy bands with breakdowns. And now we're in a we're in an odd position where I don't even really know where the metalcore game sits right now. I think the number one band kind of leading the charge is Architects. Architects, man. Are you an Architects fan? I like Architects a lot. They're really good. Because they take themselves very seriously. Yes. And they're extremely talented musicians. Mm-hmm. And I like where Metalcore is going in that direction. So after the death of the the goofy Metalcore, as for lack of a better term, yeah. how would you, what word can we use to describe that kind of Metalcore? The silly Metalcore? Silly. That's yep. It's a little silly. It is very silly. But now that gave birth to very serious, talented musicians picking up the torch and say, we got it from here. Yeah. For example, uh, Architects, like you said, Every Time I Die is a great yep. example. Can you think of any others? I've been out of the game for a little bit. So, I mean, I know that... Upon a burning body is still their lower their lower level, but they've been able to kind of take that torch and be the more serious minded metalcore. They they're phenomenal these days. Well, and it's also given birth to a lot of bands that take the metalcore but soften it up a little bit. Yeah. So have you ever heard of like happy hardcore? Mm-hmm. Or they call it easy core. Yep. Easy core, like the four year strong. Yeah. Perfect example. I love that kind of stuff. I do too. Where it's very positive music, but it still has that metalcore flavor to it. So it's still you're still getting all the breakdowns and the intricate guitar work, but there's not near as much 
dirty vocals. There's not near much screaming. Yeah. So it's more just happy music. That's the thing that was interesting about bands like Four Year Strong is instrumentally, it was very metalcore still. Yeah. But clean vocals, happy messages. It was almost, I mean, there's a reason they call it easy core, right? Because it's almost the exact opposite of everything hardcore ever was. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's great. And it's you bring up an interesting point about who's leading the torch and where is the genre going because it is going in a different direction. But by the same token, it is impossible to listen to it and not hear the influence from all of the previous generations of metalcore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just like anything. You can't listen to any sort of music without hearing influences, right? Right. And I think probably the biggest influence that metalcore has left on this current generation is the um, combination of the dance beats and metal music. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do you think... Let me ask you this, because I know you're a, you're a big hybrid genre guy. Uh-huh. Do you think there's a fusion? Do you think there's another genre out there in the rock scope that combined electronic music with natural instrumentation better than the silly era of metalcore? And when we say electronic music, we mean like dance music, right? Not just, you know, synthesizers and stuff like that. No, I don't. I think they I think they were definitely the best at it. I mean, I like we said earlier, some bands did it better than others. But I think as far as doing that, taking two completely different genres and putting them together, it worked as about as well as it ever has with metalcore. I totally agree. So I want to go back to kind of your original question. Now that we're now that we're nearing towards the end here, did metalcore save metal? I think so. So I guess to answer that, where was metal before metal came? Metalcore came along. New metal. Okay, then yes, it did. Yeah. And listeners, don't you fret. We're going to do a whole episode on new metal because it's bonkers. <laughs> it is. And yeah, if if that's the scene that metal was in, that would not have lasted. No, new metal was a very sad state of affairs. I mean, you had some big bands like Limp Biscuit, but everybody viewed Rise, them. Or System of a Down. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of like on that line where they have new metal influence, but they're still kind of classic metal at their core. Sure. Um, Corn was a really big new metal band. Yep. POD. POD. Um, but I think a lot of these bands were looked at as jokes. I mean, how many guys do you know that are like throwing their hat on backwards and cruising with their windows down in their Miata to Limp Biscuit? Me, man. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. So metal really was in a sad state of affairs when metalcore came around. Which is why, do I think that it's the best genre that has ever come out of metal? Absolutely freaking not. And I want the record to show very clearly that I do not think it's the best metal genre ever. And I don't think any metalhead would. No. Really. So, another question for you. Classic metal guys, James Hetfield, Kirk Hammett, Metallica, you know? It's the dude from Judas Priest. Rob, Rob Halford. Halford, you know, these these real classic, the dudes from Anthrax, you know, yeah. original metals, Pantera. If they were all here in this room, what would they say about metalcore? Uh, I, I think we'd all have a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all have a good laugh because, I mean, I know that I've been building metalcore up for almost this entire episode, but let's look at the facts, okay? It's not great. You want to... You wanna, 
Let's think about the most metalcore riff from the early stages in metal. What am I going to go to? One by Metallica. Yeah. (laughs) And the reason why I say that is because all of the stuff that those boy bands with breakdowns did was kind of based on that breakdown in one, right? You've got the synchronized bass drums with the guitar and the bass, no vocals, and then the vocals come in and it gets even heavier. That is really the template for sure. what for what they did. So yeah, James Hetfield and I would be able to kick back and have a good laugh at metalcore, but then I'd point at him and I'd say, "You did this. You started this, bro. You did this. That's on you." <laughs> so do I think that metalcore is a great genre of music that should be revered by people, uh, past, present, and future? No, but it was absolutely necessary absolutely necessary because i mean even nowadays i think metal metal is in a pretty cool state right now i agree there's a lot of good stuff coming out and it wouldn't be here if it wasn't for silly metalcore no and again just to illustrate this point again we need to remember how successful metalcore was even though it was so ridiculously silly it was very successful and uh so yeah, I, I think it did save metal, but I think we're better off without it. And I think we're progressing to the point where we can look back and say, thank you, Danny Warsnop. Thank you, Ben Bruce. Thank you, everybody, for doing what you did. Now, I'm going to go forget what you look like so I don't ever have to remember this. It's like Batman. It's the hero we needed, not the one we deserved. <laughs> yeah. or back, I don't know if that's the right saying. But anyway, yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. It's, it's so interesting to think about. So, listener, obviously the playlist this week is going to be filled with metalcore, and we understand that's not everybody's thing. In fact, that's not most people's thing. So if you don't dig it, we're sorry. We'll be back to (laughs) different music next week. But I will say, give it a chance and try to put yourself in the shoes of the elders before you who grew up listening to this stuff and try to think because, I mean, just like so many other genres, right, there was no... Uh, template for that style of metalcore before they did it. No. So try to remember how cool it must have been as a as a young metalhead who was constantly craving something new. Try to think of how cool that would have been to hear something so different at the time, even though it is a bit silly in retrospect. Well, I think that's a good rule of thumb with anything, right? Give it a chance. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you actually would really enjoy it. Yeah. And and sorry, I know we're down on time, but I do want to point out. That um, I think metalcore has some of the most talented vocalists to come out of any genre ever because they were able to contrast the harsh vocals. Now, granted, a lot of bands did have two different vocalists yeah. and that type of a thing. But the guys like Danny Warsnop or Jeremy McKinnon, who were able to have such harsh, hard vocals and then turn around into the chorus and have such an angelic voice. Yeah. Like it's, it's really pretty incredible stuff. And so if you go into it listening and trying to hear the different talents of the vocalist specifically, I think you may be able to pick something apart that you might actually like in this genre. I mean, that's, that's yeah. Again, with everything, be discerning, give it a chance and don't go into anything saying, I'm not going to like this because you may surprise yourself. But anyway, yeah, I, like I said, the playlist is going to be filled to the brim with metalcore. With some silly names so bear with us this week guys we understand we get it we're with you but thank you for listening yeah
And as usual, find us in all of the regular places. Facebook and Instagram are probably our most trafficked socials at Duop to Death Metal. And we do have a Twitter at DW2DM. But now that Elon bought it, who knows what's happening? Also, if you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go ahead and send us a Facebook message or send us an email. Our email is from duop to death metal at gmail.com, or you can get on our Facebook page. And the best way is just hit us up with a message directly from there. We add links to the link tree in every episode description. So on there, you can find our social medias. You can find the playlist and all that. It's really easy to do. So check us out. Yeah. And also, if you don't mind going on and leaving us a, a sweet review or a rating on Spotify and Apple Music, if you enjoy the show, uh, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and please, by all means, tell a friend. Yeah. But we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.